Welcome to our Wednesday live event called Innovation in Audio. Uh, you are about to start hearing a new New York City radio brand. The reason I say that is if you saw the news today, you know that my partner in Innovation in Audio, Skip Dillard, has crossed town in the largest city in the United States, New York City, and has gone to work for Odyssey and their brand new brand called 94.7 The Block. Congratulations to Skip, of course, and uh, congratulations to their entire team at Odyssey in New York. No one is more connected to community than Skip Dillard. I've said this for a long time, and I'm not the only one that's noticed it clearly. He and I have known each other for a significant period of time and worked together on multiple projects. The thing I can tell you about Skip is all about his integrity, which is incredible, his strategic mind, which is great, his wisdom, and just what an overall amazing person he is. This is a great hire for Odyssey, and I definitely wanted to acknowledge it at the front end of the live uh, event that we have today. Congratulations to everybody involved. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We're about to roll into 2020. Media companies and other companies with strategic direction, separating their products successfully from competitors, helping understand consumers, and of course, getting attention in the environment where you're judged. Consumer behavior is changing. Pretty much everybody knows that. If you are someone you know is looking for answers in the media business, and especially about these changes, we'd love to help them or yourself. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at BrainMakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will, of course, become available within about an hour of the end of this live event wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating an audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. Today, we are going to visit with Tori Smith. He's the co-founder and CEO of Inditex, and that's in Redwood City, California. We're going to learn all about what they're doing. I'm pretty excited because of the area of innovation that they work in. Before we get started with today's current guest, I do want to give you a quick preview of what is coming up next week on Innovation and Audio. It will be Wednesday, December. Well, I'm sorry, I seem to have the wrong information. Wednesday, December 15th. That's correct. Christina Corp, CEO and executive producer. She calls herself an astronaut wrangler. You'd be interested in that. She is with Purpose Entertainment in Winter Park, Florida, and she really does hang out with astronauts. So I'm looking forward to that as well. See our full upcoming guest calendar in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. You'll also find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, you get more encouragement with our Encouraging Sales Success Series as well as free resources for anyone in radio today. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime and see what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk about today's guests right now. Uh, you know, look, you may not think about your health all the time, but it's critical to whatever you're doing. Doesn't matter what career path you're in, doesn't matter what part of your career you're in, uh, it matters about your health and the way your health is dealt with. And I promise uh, 
you know, we can look back throughout time on earth for humans, and it's very easy to see that in yesteryear, you just didn't want to get sick because medical care was sort of uh, scary. Of course, many advances have come, they have been made, and now we live in the age of the innovation century. The 21st century carries a lot of promise with it, especially around not only innovation, but the speed of the innovation that is occurring. We often find ourselves wondering, you know, kind of in that George Jetson way, how will we live in the future? Thank God, too, because the 21st century has already lit us up with COVID-19 and all of those variants that you hear so much about. That is exactly what has brought today's guest directly in contact with innovation and audio. As you know, if you've listened to this live event or in our podcast form, we deal with innovation, true innovation, and we color outside the lines. That literally means that sometimes we are handling innovation way outside of audio itself. And that's exactly what we want to do because the purpose of this live event and podcast is to talk about creating environments where innovation is more easily produced and productive. We want to encourage you to see how others are producing innovation and how that translates into value. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Inditex. I hope I'm saying that right, Tori Smith. Now, his company is literally spearheading a new era in diagnostic and interven interventional medicine. Listen to this. They're changing what it takes to speed diagnosis, and the work they do is solving both time and medical problems together. This company was on the cover of MedTech Outlook endoscopy edition and i know y'all get that at home right but listen you know it is a big deal when your company snags a magazine cover in your field this is probably especially true in the medical field tori welcome to innovation in audio we're honored to have an opportunity to speak with you how are you sir well you know the funny thing is although we're talking about audio some of the things we're most interested in are what we can do with ultrasound inside the body. So I definitely see that connection there. I love that. Well, Tori, listen, you attended Cal Poly, that's how I know of it, or California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo. You know what? I lived in uh, near San Luis Obispo, and I know what a great reputation they have. You studied aerospace engineering. That's something I think many of us would associate with innovation, of course. Did you know early on that you wanted to be an innovator? For me, it was pretty obvious. My dad was a hang glider pilot, so I would routinely see him jumping off of mountains after we helped set up his, his kite. But then at night, we would all read science fiction. And so to me, I felt like aerospace engineering was probably the best thing to study in order to pursue the dreams I had as a kid. That's so interesting. You know, often when we talk to somebody who's involved in what I'll call scientifery, it always starts with some kind of conversation about sci-fi. So, so listen, just a couple of interesting things here. Um, how does the study in that area lead you to medical? Because I see that you worked as an 
R&D engineer with Insure Medical right out of school. That was a funny connection. You know, I'd like to think that I've taken the skill set that's often used to poke holes in people and uh, learn how to patch holes in people. You know, we're using those, sil- those skills to safeguard life itself now. But uh, the funny thing was just my mother was a school teacher and uh, she had a friend who was also a teacher who had a son at Insure Medical who was running the company. And I was doing a little bit of soul searching about the end use of the things that I would design. And I realized, hey, this is an opportunity to go save lives. And as an aerospace engineer, I imagined I would have a very unique perspective on medical devices. And I've always felt like I had a leg up because of that. This is very interesting. You, you Look, you worked for Insure Medical and then something called Athromed. And, and then you became the senior R&D engineer with something called AEGEA Medical. Now, now, look, that's a pretty fast rise to get to a senior level, but you must have felt strongly that you wanted to do your own thing because of the path we've seen you take. Is that accurate also? Absolutely. And there's a bit of an irony, which is that I actually had to work very hard to avoid getting promotions. Um, engineers are often courted to go to middle management. And I, I've never wanted to push papers around. I've always wanted to be a part of creating the core technology. And by the time I got to uh, AGIA Medical, which is how we pronounce that, um, I loved the people, but we were creating a device that was going to be third to market with its technology. And I realized that if I was really going to work on bold, innovative things, I was going to have to rip the Band-Aid off and start my own company. So that's when I asked my friends to join. All right. Now, before we get to your own things, I'm still going to make a little stop here. Do you love R&D? You know, you know how people have different passions. Did this become one of your burning passions, R&D? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people are fond of the the sketch of the Vitruvian man that Leonardo da Vinci did. You know, it's the the man with his arms out inside the circle in the square. And I was curious, well, who's this Vitruvius character? So I Googled it. And it turns out Vitruvius was an ancient architect who said that in, in his time, art and architecture and science, they were all the same thing. And something that really bugs me about modern uh, education is that sometimes it tells engineers that they are not, in fact, artists. Uh, which which means that we lose a lot of good opportunities. And with research and development, R&D engineering is a, is a field where you're kind of forced to attempt to be interested in and good at many different things. I think R&D engineer, engineering is a really good thing for enthusiastic, creative people. And probably curious scientists as well. Okay, so this next thing kind of blew my mind. I have to be honest with you. You founded a company that came directly out of a theme camp at Burning at the Burning Man event. Can you tell us about this a little bit? Sure. Yeah, so I founded a camp uh, called Sextant. We named it after the navigational instrument, the same name. I thought that would be a great name for, uh, for a Burning Man theme camp that was dedicated to large interactive works of science and engineering. And after two years, we found ourselves uh, on the Esplanade at Burning Man, which you know is a bit of an honor uh, with very prominent placement. And people started joining us from all over the world. And pretty soon, one of my friends, Dan Moyer, said, hey, I want to build a big Tesla coil. 
I didn't realize he wanted to build the world's biggest solid state Tesla coil. Um, but that essentially led directly to endiotics. And to the name of our company, um, it's important that medical tech companies have weird names. That just seems to be one of the <laughs> really means to look within, to understand, and to treat the problems in the human body. Nice. Tori, you are clearly serious about innovating in the area of medical exploration. People may not have, may have connected the dots just yet, but I'm going to try to do that here. I imagine that working in the area of medical, and I know a little bit about this from my other life in uh, researching investments and this kind of stuff. When you're dealing with things in the medical area, it comes with a lot of red tape, a lot more than, say, something like media, which many of us work in. Can you give us an idea about the red tape that may be involved in innovating anything in the medical field in the United States? Absolutely. First of all, it's important to note that there are basically two kinds of people in the world. There are people who will take personal responsibility, and then there are people who will blame others, right? Right. And when I was younger, I used to very much fall into that second category. I, I was very creative and I felt constrained by the company I was working in, I, I would work in. Um, but after getting, getting to know FDA a little bit, all FDA is ever asking of us is that they ask us to prove simultaneously that our devices are both safe and effective for the given indication for use and, and that they stand out above the status quo. And honestly, that is a very realistic bar to jump over. So where's that red tape? I believe that the red tape is in each of our own minds. We need to find ways to work together to get past those perceptions of red tape. Because honestly, you know, I work with little robots that you swallow, but right. it's 25 years since people started swallowing pill cameras. I think we're actually a little bit behind. That's interesting. And, and look, I would imagine having the attitude that you have, because we talk a lot, you know, especially on this live event, we talk a lot about innovation and, and, and what are the tree stumps in front of innovation. They often are, are attitudinal. They are things inside us or things inside companies or things inside institutions that create roadblocks. You know, when you come in contact with your company, there's a phrase used, I'm going to quote you here, developing medical robots to change everything, unquote. That's a bold statement. Can you give us some examples of how your company is going to change everything with medical robots? Absolutely. And you know what? I have a very medical focus here, so please, please uh, forgive me for that. But let's just think about health. And I want you to think about the state of the art in, in medicine or medical robotics or surgery. Let's think of a beautiful room in a hospital, all kinds of machines, people, and at the center of that room, you have one patient sedated with a bunch of tubes jammed into their body, maybe even a surgical robot manipulating some of those devices, right? And, and you know what? That's right now. That's the absolute status quo of right now. So what are we trying to do with these tiny pill robots? Okay, well, imagine that patient, but remove the sedation and remove everyone around them. In fact, let's take them out of the hospital and let's put them in their own living room. And let's, let's take all of that equipment and technology and put it into pill form and let them swallow it so that 
from the comfort of their own home, they can hop on a Zoom call and let their doctor quickly and cheaply have a look around inside their body to find a problem. You know, I think we can turn months and months of hospital visits into a Zoom call just with the first thing we're trying to develop. And then we'll see how far we can push it. This sounds like a weird development, like take Amazon and now you have a box that you send out to somebody who's going to have a diagnosis. But instead of going through all that time and the waste and everything, you know, you hear about uh, medical um, uh, concierge uh, for really wealthy patients. You seem to be bringing this to everybody. It's really interesting. Is that what we're talking about? Basically, you will call a package to your house and that package will have your little robot in it. You will take this pill and then get on a Zoom call with the doctor and he will be able to look and see what is going on and give you the diagnosis over the phone at your house. Well, that's the idea. And the funny thing is you brought up Amazon. Yep. Let's give a shout out to Jeff Martha, who's the CEO over at Medtronic, because Jeff recently worked with Amazon and received FDA clearance uh, for them to send the passive pill camera uh, called PillCam to patients in their own homes. So this, this is already happening as we speak. What we want to do with Endiotics is equip those little pill robots with the ability to move around actively in real time and basically give the doctor a one-to-one -one replacement of the active diagnostic power of an endoscope. Um, so this is, this is taking what they've done and trying to take it a step further by, by causing those robots to move around under remote control. I can't remember all the names of the movies, Tori, but there's like one, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, there, there's the the one uh, where the guys get inside and they're in a little space. This is what it's reminding me of. Listen, you probably don't think of yourself and your team as inspiring others, but look, we're grateful to have somebody like you as an innovation guest because it clearly shows what passion, knowledge, experimentation, and purpose do in creating innovation. What do you think the number one element is in creating a company where innovation is valued and communicated as a value itself to employees? I think it's critical that you found companies with that in mind. It's, it's very hard to change the culture of a company and it's not always necessary to do so. So if you wanna do something that's totally out of the box and maybe unprecedented in your current community, well, that's a good time to go create a new community. And it's not just the employees and founders of that company that will be, you know, that it's critical to have on, on, on your team. It's also the investors who are going to put the money into it. So with Endiotics, you know, we are highly hardware enabled. We are heavily FDA regulated. Um, but that's okay because before we ever founded the company, we were making connections with extremely bold investors who were sold on the vision and wanted to be a part of it. Look, there's no doubt that it takes that kind of vision. It takes that kind of vision from investors. It takes, what did you call them? What kind of robust or, or what did you call these investors? Bold would be the word. I would say 95% of venture capital is, is looking for what I would call low-hanging fruit. You know, they're looking for the phone app or the software as a service play that, you know, has the potential to explode and make them very wealthy. The problem is that when the vast majority of dollars go for people just trying to get lucky, 
it makes it much harder for people that are creating deep tech, which is actually what drives the future standard of care. However, we're not here to complain. It means that there's a smaller slice of the community that we, we need to work extra hard to go find because those kind of investors get your vision. And frankly, they throw better parties. You know what? I got to listen to an interview by the gentleman who has the company that created Moderna. And, you know, Moderna is known all over the world right now. Well, it didn't even exist 10 years ago. So things can develop more rapidly than you think, even in the the medical area or the pharmaceutical area, if you will. When when I was researching you, Tori, I got really excited because I saw some very specific words and I knew I wanted to ask you about these words because I thought it was really cool immediately when I saw them. Tell us about your unique propulsion system that relates to robots and your overall work. So this this unique propulsion system. We are so proud to have recently got our first patent granted on what we call quad, quad pump jet propulsion. Uh, we basically took what you see in a quadcopter drone and put it underwater and shrunk it down to pill size. And with the, with the four pump jets acting uh, in, in, as teams, we were able to achieve uh, what an arrow would call five-axis motion, which sim simply means this pill can move around in three-dimensional space as if you were holding it with your own hand, pushing it back and forth, left, right, up, down, etc. Um, and, and we felt from the very beginning that it was critical that our technology not rely on any capital equipment whatsoever that would tie us to a physical location like that hospital. We want anyone on or off the planet to be able to benefit from this technology. And right now, it costs me about $35 to build one of these robots. So the goal is to drastically lower costs while we do that. Wait a minute. So this costs you $35 to manufacture this. And, and you know, obviously, I'm not a scientist. But what it sounds like is you have figured a way to create a spacecraft inside your body that can go places and that you can steer. Is that what I'm understanding? That is exactly right. But just keep in mind, it's 25 years now uh, since 1997 when PillCam, currently owned by Medtronic, but invented by Given Imaging in Israel, it's been 25 years since people started swallowing pill cameras. So in a quarter of a century, wouldn't you think that the time has come for those things to move around and maybe sprout tools? Oh, I would think that is exactly right. And I want to bring this into a more of a, a I, I want to use our listeners imagination as I ask this next question to make it more real and understandable in today's terms. With COVID-19 and all that has happened around hospitals and emergency rooms, we, we kind of fear the worst, right? How many beds do you have left? Am, am I going to be okay if something really occurs? You, you know what the deal is here. I imagine products that can come from your work will reduce the need for more hospital beds. My overall impression isn't just that your company is after a faster delivery of diagnostics. I also see that you are after creating a better experience for patients. Is that fair? Our goal is simple. Uh, for our first patients, and those are going to be patients with issues in their stomach that would have to go get an upper endoscopy, my goal for those patients is to cut their cost by a factor of 10 and cut the amount of gatekeeping that they experience by a factor of 10. You go ask a typical upper endoscopy patient, 
how many hospital visits did it take from when you first had symptoms to when you actually got the upper endoscopy? At first, I thought it would be three or four. A lot of my friends are saying they were they went to the hospital six times for various gatekeeping reasons before they ever got that procedure. Now, in the time of COVID, where doctor-to-patient physical contact you know, became a, a real problem, most of the endoscopies uh, in the last year or two were simply canceled or delayed. So obviously, our tech is great for those patients. But in general, we're trying to take the concept of telemedicine and change that from two faces on a Zoom call to two faces on a Zoom call, plus a tiny robot that's actively doing things inside your body while you watch. The reception for this must be completely insane. People must love it when they come in contact with you, right? I mean, people get very excited about it. The hardest thing for me is when when people when I explain what our mission is and people don't seem to see the value. Because I never did market research before I jumped off the cliff to, to co-found this company. I, I simply knew in my heart that tiny medical robots that could drastically expand access to healthcare um, and drastically lower costs would have a business model. Um, and and from, from the general population, we get a lot of excitement. Uh, that, that's why I try to share videos freely on my YouTube channel and be extremely honest with people when we're doing our monthly updates because, because we live in a post-Theranos world, I think it gives fresh founders uh, all the license in the world to just be brutally honest and then hope that there are people that believe in them enough to meet them halfway. Well, integrity is very important. And being a CEO in which people can trust you to deliver the news, no matter what it is, is probably more critical than it's ever been, especially in healthcare. Can you talk about the future a little bit? Let, let's talk about that for a minute. We're seeing a lot of strain in uh, with medical equipment around COVID-19, the future has to come uh, or become faster, easier, better. Uh, that's not always easy, as you know. Do you think that developments around robotechnology, diagnostics, and making the lives of patients easier and, as you say, uh, less expensive and with fewer gatekeepers will develop faster because of the technology now and the speed of that into the future? Well, sure. You know, and it, it comes in different ways, right? For us, we do have a practical side in the sense that we said, you know, we're here for the nanobots, but what's our first product? That's what led us to the stomach. That's what led us to hopefully become a really good way to find those stomach bleeds, ulcers, lesions, stuff like that. But that's not really the dream that led us to found antibiotics because I want to make these things rice grain size. I want, I want to put a swarm of these in your brain so that you can be at Disneyland where, while you're getting brain surgery, right? I think that by cutting the cord on the hospital visit and on capital equipment, by creating a robotic platform that can persist inside the body to diagnose, to deliver therapies and treatments, I think that unlocks a whole new standard of care. Who knows where that's going to take us, but I think it's going to be good. Well, and Tori, you know, I feel like just having this conversation with you, I am in some kind of sci-fi movie because some of the things that you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about being at Disneyland or Disney World while you're having an exam of some kind. <laughs> it just blows my mind all the things that might come out of this kind of technology. Is this a super huge passion of yours, this this doing things in the miniature. Has it always been that way for you? You know, all I can say is that 
mammals get about a billion heartbeats, whether you're an elephant or a mouse or a human, roughly a billion. So the question is, with finite heartbeats, what are you spending them on? And for me, I, I feel like it has to be something that has some kind of benevolence to it, but I also have this desire for it to matter to large numbers of people. And you know what? I want it to be fun. For example, in 2020, when, when the Burning Man event was canceled, you know, we, we took our, our van out there and everyone was properly, you know, masked up and all that stuff. But we started passing out Xbox controllers and I started swallowing robots. And we had a little uh, demolition derby free-for-all race inside my stomach with, with multiple pillbots. Um, <laughs> and, and we were standing on a dry lake bed, essentially giving ourselves advanced uh, upper endoscopies um, for free, for fun, and in some kind of competitive racing video game style. And I just kind of looked at my friend and said, you know, I think we're onto something here. Right. Now, you know, this is going to bring me to ask a question that I'm not even talking to you about. You have a YouTube channel or uh, where can we go to see these kind of videos? Because I think people want to see it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's just a, a Tory Smith on YouTube. Pretty easy to find. Um, I, I like to be savagely honest, right? I'll, I'll yes. show I'll show the, the, the robot flopping around in the fish tank. Uh, we'll show it sinking like a stone or not pairing. If you look at some of the live onboard footage that the camera currently generates and, and pushes through our narrow bandwidth, there's nothing about our technology that is perfectly ready for market. But that's okay for us because we feel like this relationship we're trying to build with the public at large takes years and years and years to build. I mean, we are literally playing with the power of life and death with this technology. And the last thing I want to do is be behind some wall of stealth. I want people to know what we're doing, what our goals are, what our intentions are. And, and that's why I say we want to drastically reduce the cost and expand access so that I can be held to account to that in the future. Really amazing and amazing to have you on to talk about the subject. This is something that people don't think about all the time. I met you. A lot of people don't even think it's possible. And yet here you are here. There you were at at Burning Man and now you are making this pathway and you know you talk about how it may not be perfect yet and how you have to go through all these experiences to get it to be more and more perfect and build the relationship with the public and a relationship of trust this is why we say if innovation were easy everybody would do it right tori you know when you mentioned r d engineering the life of an r d engineer is 95 percent of the time you are working on something doesn't even come close to functioning. You're pushing through the mud the whole time. Because when you finally make something work, you send it off to manufacturing, you go ship it. R&D is about going from zero to one. It's, it's a beautiful place to be, but you have to have a really thick skin and you have to be totally in love with what you're doing. Have you always had a thick skin? <laughs> you know, it seems to get thicker over time. Um, I've been very, <laughs> very fortunate in that way. Well, this is how you build up wisdom too, isn't it, Tori? Yeah, little bits of pain here and there. That's exactly right. Well, listen, I want to thank you, Tori, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope you'll stick around in case maybe we've got uh, people in our audience who might ask a question for you here in just a moment. If you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We've already uh, cast a, a wide net 
of growing archive of shows for you. You won't be able to even believe your luck when you run across these because of the diverse number of innovators we've had on this live event. And of course, we do all this to try to give you things that you can hear that will improve the value of your career. While you're listening to this live event, please make sure that you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app. Share what we're doing with friends and radio and audio and people who love innovation. Find out what our guests talk about live every single week by being here, including ways that we can help your career become better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. We do have great guests and insight every single week. We take great pains to go to different parts of innovation here in the 21st century and give you a different perspective on innovation and how it's created. Of course, we do have two podcasts so that you don't miss anything that we have going on with these live events. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which comes from the Wednesday night event you're listening to now, and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. Both of these podcasts are on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. A final note for you about another live event that we do have coming. We want you to save the date and share this with anyone associated with broadcast or audio revenue in any faction or any way, especially managers in this area. You can join us live on the Clubhouse app Thursday, January 13th, 2022 at 2 p.m., a little bit different time for us, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for a revenue-only focused event that we plan to do quarterly for sales managers, market managers, and local sellers. What is that first event? It's the 2022 Sales Liftoff, Planning Your Bigger Revenue Year. Thursday, January 13th, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, sales consultant Alec Drake, formerly the director of sales at Cumulus Media in Dallas. And of course, myself, we will be opening up a discussion with a panel of sales partners or revenue partners experts to discuss Q1, how you can shore up your Q1 revenue, recruiting new sellers, and of course, a roundtable with actionable items you can walk away with to help your team grow revenue in 2022. The revenue partners for this first Q1 event Chuck Wood, who's the VP and GM of Delta Media Corp., a multimedia uh, media company comprised of seven television stations, nine radio stations in South Louisiana. Scott Howard is the general sales manager of WoWo Radio, that's Federated Media, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And of course, they'll all be here on January 13th. We urge you to be here and to drag along some of your friends who are, of course, in. Um, sales or marketing of media of any kind. We are going to open up the room in case you have questions. Of course, we do not tell people you have to ask questions when you come on this live event. We want everybody to feel comfortable. Some people just want to come listen. That's cool with us, too. Don't forget, coming Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Listen to who we're going to have on Monday. Tom Baldrica, who many people know, uh, in his former life as the senior VP of promotion for Sony, uh, Sony, I'm sorry, he is the corporate brand 
strategist for country for Midwest Communications. He said, talk to us about that role. Talk to us about what their stations are doing and how they're involved in moving the industry forward in audio and in radio. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, and specifically radio that they can get free resources anytime at rainmakerpathway.com. And of course, uh, if you need some strategic advice yourself, you can simply reach out for free and our comp our consultation is free and confidential. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Of course, um, Tori, I got to ask this question. You know, you talked about how innovation uh, and, and especially the red tape around it in medical. I know lots of people in that end of things. They don't seem to have your attitude about how easy it is. Is that because of your R&D background and because you're used to things being challenging that you feel this way? I think the real issue was that as, a, uh, as an R&D engineer working for traditional med device companies, there was a lot of fear of disciplines that weren't represented inside the company. So, for example, I spent nine years of my life trying to avoid electronics and software uh, because of the perception of the difficulty that might bring in getting it through FDA, um, and also, you know, maybe the the expense associated with bringing those skill sets in. But building giant Tesla coils in the desert forced me to go into that scary place where you learn things that are very challenging and where you make friends with people that are very different from you. So with Endiotics, I basically said, okay, let's bring together the craziest, smartest people, most creative people I know, and see how far we can we can push this thing. Do you all all feel like scientists? By the way, I've been on your website. And just to, so that people understand this, you're not operating in a vacuum. You have this big board and you have this big board of advisors. And I'm not sure I'm getting the language right, but there's a ton of people behind you, right? You know, we have a ton of people behind us, but we're a classic Silicon Valley garage startup. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we're on a podcast here, so I can't point my camera over at the 3D printers, but we basically make these robots in in our Silicon Valley living rooms while we're raising money to to move into a proper facility. But even then, it's not going to be in a high rise in San Francisco. It's probably going to be a, in a little business park behind our local Costco. <laughs> and are you are you comfortable because you're in a role where you see investors? I'm sure. Are you comfortable in that role as comfortable as you are in your R and D roles? Let's say. I was terrified putting that 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 blazer on, uh, but when I went through the Founder Institute accelerator, even though it was extremely scary for me and and you know kind of a new thing, and I, you know I felt totally out of sorts. On the very first day of class, they said, "Welcome, founders," and no one had ever called me a founder before. Usually, they would call me insubordinate before that. Oh, nice, <laughs> right? And so that made you a little bit more comfortable. It kind of broke the ice for you. I had a choice. You know, I I often find myself pitching this company to people who are both younger than me and have grown kids, which is very strange. You know, I got extremely ambitious at the age of 37. Uh, and uh, for, for anyone out there who may not have had all of the, you know, the, the benefits of a modern life. For example, I was born in a dirt floor cabin out in the mountains and, you know, I had to claw my way out of poverty. I'm extremely grateful that we live in a community that has accelerators like 
for example, like the Founder Institute or, or Y Combinator or Techstars, um, that can help anyone with a good idea and the ability to communicate it, figure out what their next step is. If you were going to give one piece of advice to somebody who was trying to get investors interested in their technology or in in the founding of their company and moving it into uh, um, whatever you want to say, moving it to reality for them, um, would part of that be move to Silicon Valley? You know, COVID flattened and shrunk the earth. Um, we We are able to interact with investors all over the world. Silicon Valley is a classic example of a great place to start a company, but it's no longer the only one. You could be in the Midwest and you will find venture capital funds targeting founders based in the Midwest, right? So as far as location goes, I wouldn't necessarily uh, force someone to think inside this particular box. I would simply say, learn how to be resilient to failing publicly. Learn you need to be resilient. To fail many times in a row and just keep showing up. That's the kind of founder people will put money on. Is that true? Somebody who is, is I'm going to use your word again, bold in the face of failure. A, a lot of people think success is when you have a big win. And we look at the successes around us and we look at their wins. And you think that win is what put them on that pedestal. But what we don't really hear about are the countless failures that those very same people went through to get to that moment. My daily experience as a founder is, you know, I've, I've reached out to hundreds of venture capital funds engaged in deep frontier health tech, and I've gotten hundreds of no's. Each one of those feels like a slap in the face. And if I had given up after the first three or five or 17 no's, we would never be here right? We're here That's after right. hundreds of rejections, right? We're here in spite of most people telling us they think we're crazy. Um, but we really do believe in what we're doing. And so resiliency or just perseverance would seem to be the number one quality that I would look for in a new founder. Well, and ironically, what you just talked about is one of our favorite themes that we like to really push to the foreground, because in our country and in our culture, success is what is celebrated most. But wisdom comes from the challenges and overcoming those challenges. And I want to thank you for I want to thank you for sharing that moment with us and the fact that you're you're a pretty down to earth guy who who also kind of comes off to me as a little bit like George Jetson. Does that seem okay to say to you? You know, that's, that's an honor. I, I think many of us want to live in that world. I just kind of got tired for waiting for other people to make it. I like it. Well, listen, thank you so much, Tori, for being on Innovation and Audio. Give us your website one more time, please. Yeah, so that would just be ndiotics.com, which is E-N-D-I-A-T-X.com. All right. I want to thank you for being our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which will be available shortly. Thank God we had a little technical glitch earlier, and it's been probably the biggest technical glitch that we've had so far. You know, when you're dealing with smartphones and you're dealing with new technology, sometimes you do have setbacks, as Tori 
so uh, eloquently shared with us earlier. I want to also say thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. They do an amazing job. Sometimes you would not believe how much they do to enhance our podcast. We do like to ask you to share our podcast, like the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that you know have a growing interest in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available right now on Apple, on Audible, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Please remember to be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of innovation and audio with the encouragers. And good night. <laughs>